welcome to the Podcast of Power, a She-Ra and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And we're back in the saddle again. We're talking about Season 5, Episode 8, Shot in the Dark. Yes, and and Horde Prime is to blame. Uh, this This is a really good episodes i genuinely one of my favorite episodes in the whole show um i don't know it's just like everything really comes together in like a nice way it's not even necessarily like an especially like impactful or like massively important episode but it is an episode that like I don't know, you get a lot of really, really good interactions uh, between the best friend squad and, of course, its newest member, Katra, um, and it, it works it, it's, it works really well. I, I really like the dynamic that the whole team has. Yeah, it is a very much-needed, like, kind of buffer in the middle of the season, because we've got Katra here now, and we need to figure out what her dynamic with the group is. We don't have much time. It's a, it's not a long season of television. So we, we go on this little spooky space adventure, but it's not, it's not like a filler thing. It's not like signals uh, from season two where literally just nothing happens. Oh no. Yes. The, the, the spooky space adventure is, is even spookier than signals, but is much more relevant. Like things actually happen in it, and those things matter. We learn a couple of very important things about Horde Prime and how to beat him. Yes, and we adopt uh, a therapy cat. But we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves here. We are. Um, and uh, as well, before before we actually get into into the a plot, there's a very t- teeny tiny like itty bitty. Uh, B-plot here with uh, everyone on Etheria. So I guess we want to talk about that first? Yeah, probably let's hit that first real quick. Just get that out of the way. So we see everyone kind of exploring the ruins of the of the rebel encampment now that uh, all of the chipped people have headed on out. It just all all sorts of sad sack stuff. You, you get uh, Seahawk finding one of Mermista's like, custom action figures uh i think natasa finds something of spinnerella's like you know everyone's just real bummed out um which is the the state which castaspella finds them in when she stumbles out of the forest uh and immediately gets checked for a chip by frosta yeah she gets uh sort of trapped in a big ice pillar while frosta just sort of takes a look at her neck and she's like protesting all the time like oh what's the meaning of this what what are you doing i just I die never. Sorry, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to ask you to uh, direct your attention to the visual aid we have going in the middle of the episode here. Oh yes, no, it's a good face. It's a very good face. Oh. All right, yeah. So we get Cassispella kind of trying to comprehend what has happened. Micah is gone. The rebellion is in shambles, and if that wasn't bad enough, Shadow Weaver is here. Ah. Uh, always always with the shadow weaver i feel like every time shadow weaver walks onto the screen the in, in like season five you could just like hear like a studio audience of people like going like ooh, <laughs> yeah basically uh or like someone just austrian going oh god god not this again so shadow weaver has vanished from the season for about five episodes if you'll remember the last time we saw her 
was I believe in Swiftwind's story time in episode four. And the last time we saw her properly was episode two. Yeah, when she was like trying to get everyone to go and use the heart of Etheria again for some reason. Couldn't imagine what reason. It's I'm sure she's I'm sure she's changed her tune, surely. Surely, surely. But so Shadow Weaver shows up and she's like, Hey listen, Castabella, th- these fools don't have a plan. You don't have a plan. All they want to do is run away. Listen, if you come with me into the spooky dark woods, then I have a plan. Castabella just sort of looks over at everyone being really sad and is like, uh, fine. Yeah, it's either stand around, do nothing, or follow the spooky witch out into the woods. Now, I assume that Shadow Weaver's been hanging around and has already been checked for chips because there is zero percent chance anyone would trust her at this point without that oh no like they had to have checked immediately i mean it's not like it's not like she's any more trustworthy without the chip really no yeah almost i would almost imagine that she would be easier to trust with the chip on because at least in that case you know exactly what her intentions are that's true so basically what happens is that Caspella and Shadow Weaver go for a walk in the woods and argue uh, for for the B plot of this episode. Yeah, m- mostly it's Caspella being led through the woods. Uh, her coat, her like uh, fancy wizard cape, gets stuck on a bunch of branches, and basically every time this happens, she throws like a little fit and gets really annoyed. She's like, "Oh, I can't believe I trusted you. This was all pointless. It, none of this matters. You're an idiot." And <laughs> Like, the the funniest thing about this is there's zero prompting. Like, there's nothing is happening. She is just getting really fed up with having to walk in the woods for more than five minutes. Now, Cass is, the, the, the sense I get from Cassispella is that she is not an outdoorsy person. No, no, not particularly. Cassispella has never spent a night in the woods. So, this short hike is probably more like roughing it than she's experienced in several decades. Almost certainly. I mean, like, why would you bother? If you're a super wizard, head of freaking flying Hogwarts wizard school, why would you ever... Flying invisible Hogwarts. Yeah, why would you ever go through the woods? You just just fly or teleport everywhere. Yep, Uh, and and as she's about to leave, Shadow Weaver gets her to stay by (laughs) negging her uh basically (laughs) she's like you'll never be as strong as micah but that's exactly why i need your help i want to save micah uh but you know we gotta work together because as i as i uh, remember you suck yeah we both suck and we have to suck less in order to defeat and also save micah and she's like oh fine and she also says something very interesting at the very end in the in the last sort of uh bit of this b plot here where she's like like, she's pulling out all the stops to try and convince Castispella to come with her to, like, do this plan to free all the magic on Etheria. And she says, if, you know, stop me if I try to take the power for myself. And it's an, it's an interesting line for her to say. And I, I have to wonder how, like, uh, how sincere she is in this. Because there's evidence to suggest that she actually is being sincere. I feel like at this point, she has to know... Like, she's not stupid or, like, 
deluded, she has to know she's kind of a fuck-up, right? Like, at the very least. I mean, yeah, of course. She, everyone has loved her, nobody trusts her, everyone hates her, so I think, is this genuine introspection on her part? Is it just her saying what Cassispella wants to hear to get her to go along with this plan? Is it both? Who knows what's going on behind that mask? She's... She's got the inner machinations of her mind truly are an enigma. But uh, we should say, yes, the, the big reveal that Shadow Weaver has for Cassispella, uh, she takes her deep into the woods where we see a lot of these these big dirt boars that Mara fought back in Hero. Uh, except yes. there's, a, there's a whole herd of them. And, and Shadow Weaver is basically like, listen, like magic is is not a weapon the, the magic is not a first one's invention they they in fact have shackled it and weakened the magic of etheria we have to unleash it and use it against word prime it's our only chance yes and and she is correct uh what she means when she says this though we'll we'll find out in the we'll, near future we'll get there so that's all for etheria very brief just a check-in with shadow weaver now, meanwhile, on the ship, everyone starts out similarly bummed because they've just learned about a blockade and uh, they can't go home. Yeah, well, to be fair, they already knew about the blockade, but they, they're they staring it in the face. And it's a lot more real now that they're staring it in the face. Their, their plan leading up to this and their plan currently is still largely... Yeah, fuck it. Let's just go. Let's just let's just run straight through it. Who cares? And Katra is just like, well, well, that's dumb. No, we're not doing that. So, yeah, she's she basically kind of like they they have a bit of an argument. Uh, everyone aboard's like, what what are we gonna do from here? There's a bit where when she's talking about getting recaptured, her her hands tremble again. Uh, Katra's hands. Yeah, like. Adora's kind of arguing with her like sort of contesting the point that it's like well we don't have any other plans and we have to go right now right now immediately let's go and she sees sort of how shaken up Catra is and it like makes her kind of back off a bit and like okay let's actually think about this for a second so the topic of Horde Prime's weakness gets brought up and, and Ka- uh, they ask Catra if she knows if he has any and she's like well no uh, he wouldn't tell me. And then Wrong Hordak is there and says, of course we do not discuss Horde Prime's weakness. Yes. And then everyone's like, oh, so he does have a weakness. And so so Wrong Hordak is not especially thrilled about retrieving any of this information, but apparently there is some sort of Star Wars named planet named Kratos, Kratos. out there. And Kratos seems to be some sort of abandoned world that Horde Prime was on at some point, but isn't anymore, which is not exactly the guy's MO. If if he leaves a planet, it is usually because there's literally nothing left. Yes, and uh, we uh, we did see Kratos, uh back in episode 6 during Catra's flashes. We do see the ruined spire and all that. Yes. So... Catra says, yeah, no, no, this is, I know about Kratos. I think he was like, I think it's a planet. And I think he was defeated there, um, which is, of course, he is an all-powerful god king. There's no way he would lose. 
Unless he did, in which case he would completely wipe any record of that planet ever existing uh, from every single database. Yes, uh, except he didn't. So they they end up plotting a course uh, for Critus and and flying over, which conveniently, apparently, it's like a pretty close neighbor of Etheria. So that's 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 nice. Well, as Don't we learn, really go too far out of the way. As we learn, it is another first one's colony. So presumably. It is sort of within the general star system neighborhood yeah. of Etheria. Um, they get there. It is completely desolate. Uh, everyone has their spacesuits now, and we have to talk about something. Yeah, we do have to talk about something very important. This is this is perhaps one of the most crucial and and like uh, this this is perhaps the most crucial linchpin of the entirety of this uh, of this episode. Honestly. Catra's helmet has cat ears. Yeah, Catra's got a little kitty cat space suit. It's it's got it's got cat ears. Go. It's got little funny cheek triangles. It's got little like cat marks on the on the arms, and it is just delightful. It's wonderful. I don't think, unlike Glimmer and Adora, I don't think this one is really meant to resemble her '80s design. Because, frankly, her 80s design is basically unsalvageable. Yeah, no. It's quite bad. So, but but it is it is much more reminiscent of her of her actual design in this show. It is, she's got this, like, you know, the kind of neck armor going on. Uh, we got knee-high sort of boots. She just looks really good. She, she kind of has to pull herself together, smooth her tail down. She's very nervous here on Kritos. Yeah, she's... She's got a lot of anxiety about this place because, I mean, like, A, there's a lot of horde stuff sitting around, which is not ideal. But on top of that, it's also just really creepy. The atmosphere of this planet is not good. The vibes are awful. This is a planet Isaac Clark would find himself on in dead space. Like, this is a... Oh, yeah. Th- there, there's, some, there's some nasty stuff that has gone down on this planet. Um, but Entrapta finds a wall plug... Puts 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 wrong Hordak in there. <laughs> hooks hooks him up. This con- convenient uh, convenient wrong Hordak shaped plug in the wall just sort of sits him down and shoves a tube into the back of his neck and uses him to read a map. Yeah, she and just look at all the maps and stuff. She downloads a map of this toppled spire, which is uh, where they're they're looking for. And apparently she finds a life signature. So some, someone or something is still alive down there and they got to go check it out. Uh, the, she also says that the air is breathable so everyone takes off their helmets, except for Katra. And Trapta takes off her helmet and throws it about 500 <laughs> miles it. an hour to stage left. No more space helmet. We don't need to go to space ever again. It's fine. It's perfectly fine. Uh, Katra is not going to remove her helmet. Uh, which Bo takes notice of, and she's like, "Well, I mean, hey, she's she's been wrong before. I don't really want to just you know blindly take off my helmet." Yeah, it's which Bo <laughs> responds, "Well, gee, if my helmet were that cute, I'd never want to take it off either." Yeah, so this episode has got a lot of everyone's kind of kind of given Catra a little bit of a rough time. They. Because it turns out Catra's really adorable. Yeah. Like, it turns out she's really cute. And everybody is noticing this. Um, Much to her chagrin, she is not a fan of being called cute. Uh, She's embarrassed and and upset. And trying to... She tries to get the helmet off, which... 
which doesn't help because she takes she tries taking it off like a cat yeah which just makes the whole thing cuter yes and of course there is a scene where everyone is laughing uh you know just just la- having a good good natured laugh adora laughs for a little bit longer than everyone else and yeah she, she, have kind she laughs of a, a little longer a little harder Catra gives her a very like a very fond look and then bone and glimmer just glance at each other like okay yeah no it's like they they just there's this moment of extended pause where these two are just looking at each other Bo just sort of shrugs and glimmer just looks into the middle distance like this is going to be the entire time isn't it this is just gonna be my life now isn't it it is glimmer but uh to speak more on like why this episode is here it is i think vitally important that they found time to put Catra on one of these adventures like there is there are very few things i think that uh they could skip in this season or or could like shuffle out without any consequences this is the top of that list you cannot remove this episode despite the fact that nothing really happens despite the fact that it's just like a spooky space adventure it is critical it kind of like we need to see Catra actually integrating into this group we have not like we she's here and she's committed to improving and we actually need to see that exactly exactly we need to actually see the effort that she has said that she wants to put in and we have to see the actual like outcome of her like being part of the best friend squad not just being adjacent to it you know this is very this is very important this episode is really critical for that reason in fact the uh the squad even sort of says this is this is her first mission uh they say in a very sing-song tone while they march her around in a circle yes. and she says adora i'm gonna kill your friends uh, and she says, oh please don't <laughs> there is i love like the important thing is that yes katra is acting very annoyed and everyone is being kind of kind of you know we irritating uh just like they were doing to adora but like there's no nastiness here there's no like malevolence or actual genuine anger here everyone is just having fun yeah they're having fun and Catra is like obviously embarrassed and sensitive but she's not like actually like hateful at them which is a which is an important change of tone yeah like i think we've discussed in the past how Catra has never gotten any positive attention at all uh in the horde except except for adora and so she just sought attention however and wherever she could get it even if it was negative or like the approval of bad authority figures like hordak or shadow weaver that has always been her understanding of how friendships work now now she's in the the real friendship zone she is she's experiencing what what a healthy friendship and relationship sort of looks like and it's different and it's a little awkward and it's a little bit embarrassing but she's she's starting to get used to it and that's that's a real important thing for this episode um there's also a very fun bit so as they as they are, are getting into this uh this sort of ruined spire here uh, they run into a problem uh, pretty quickly, which is there's supposed to be a door here. There is not a door here. There's not a door here. There's a bunch of weird glowy stuff floating around. Things are starting to get weird. So they call in Trapta and she's like, well, listen, the data never lies. The map says there's a door there. Um, and also 
on the other end, of course, you know, Entrapta is kind of acting as their mission control, guiding them through the comms. Unfortunately, Wronghordak has learned the truth about Horde Prime, and he is, uh, he's not taking it very well. No, yeah, it's... uh... Ron Kordak's having a bit of an existential crisis in this episode. He has just learned that his whole worldview is a total fabrication, and he is wrestling with the cognitive dissonance that everything he's ever been told is a lie. So he spends the majority of this episode sobbing hysterically. Yeah, and then Trapped is just kind of at a loss for what to do. She's trying, she's like trying to be comforting. She doesn't know what to do. She has not, no idea what to do. This is not her strong suit. Uh but while they're, you know, while they're while they're listening to this, Catra gets fed up and says, "Okay, you know what? I'm just going to make a door." Kicks slashes a an opening into the door, kicks it open, and Adora is just staring is just staring just... at wide-eyed goofy smile blush on her face yeah she's there's no sounds she can't hear anybody everything's just underwater noises it's like head the head's empty right now she's just thinking wow i can't believe she's here kicking doors open wow Wow. you're really strong (laughs) yeah that's all it is you're really strong huh so they go in and Catra gets, you know, she's got a sensitive cat nose. She gets irritated by some of these weird floating spores. And she sneezes. She sneezes. And she does have a very cute sneeze, um, which which Bo points out and is sort of teasing her over. And she's just like, what? It's a normal sneeze. Everyone, everyone sneezes like this. It's normal not cute yeah so they get into a little bit of a, you know she she put she they shove each other around a bit catra accidentally puts her hand through the wall which eats it spikes come out of it everything is going very wrong yeah Gl- glimmer's like hey remember the be- feeling i said i had about this place i think it might have been a bad feeling uh as they all try very hard not to get impaled um, which is easier said than done. Yeah, so they, they run the hallway of spikes and jump out of a door and find themselves... Back where they started. In the entrance. Uh, so there's a little bit of alien geometry stuff going on here. Uh, we got endlessly stretchy hallways. We got recursive loops. Yeah, we got, we got doors appearing out of nowhere. We got doors disappearing out of nowhere. We got spikes. We got weird hollow walls. It's... This is just a a freaky location. You can kind of start to get the impression that the reason that Horde Prime might have left is because you can't really realistically fight very effectively on a planet that has decided you don't get to know where things are. Yeah, it's a it's a creepypasta planet. So uh, they're in this. So, so when they when they get to the recursive entrance, they ask Entraptor where to go, and she says very flatly, "Go to the door on your right." Very unlike her. Um, so they do. Yeah. And it's an infinite hallway, and Entraptor comes back and is like, "Hey, where the hell are you guys going?" They say, "Well, you you told us to, you told us to go to the door on the left." And she's like, "No, I didn't." By the way, who's your new friend? Yeah, she's like, I haven't talked to you in like 20 minutes. Also, there's a new person here. And they're just like, um, oh, excuse me. So <laughs> they all turn around in unison. 
And there's a funny guy standing there. There's just a funny, tall, sort of formless guy with like... One might say slender. uh, Yes, perhaps some sort of slender individual um, with, with a kind of weird, glowy blueness surrounding their head. Um, and Catra everyone everyone else is frozen but Catra Catra immediately springs into action tackles it to the ground and uh, phases through the ground yeah she she just like her gut reaction is attack kill maim destroy yes um we should I should say before this before they find the funny the funny magic guy she is uh, Catra is like beginning to really panic. Uh, you know they, they're in the, they're in an endlessly recursive spire. Things are getting weird. There's seemingly no way out, and she's she's kind of feeling the walls closing a little bit. Yeah, she's starting to panic. She's like had sort of tears in the corner of her eyes for a little bit here. She's she's not doing well. It's she's very very scared about being trapped uh, in this place uh you know she's she's got a lot of feelings about you know being trapped in places i feel like at this point she's not especially enthused about the idea of being captured by a very very scary planet especially not inside of one of horde prime's spires now it's sort of the worst of all worlds uh for her honestly so she phases through the 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 floor um and immediately calls for adora's help she says, I'm down here, which... Yeah, not, not an especially helpful uh, list of directions, but that's fine. Then, the funny magic guy turns into a funny magic cat. Yes, a very big magic cat with sort of a translucent mane, and uh, it's quite spiky and red, and this giant cat kind of looks like it wants to kill her a little bit, and it, it, it looks like that's going to be what happens, but... Then uh, she has a little bit more of her magic allergy and sneezes, which uh, the cat mimics, just sort of pauses, and then also does a very cute sneeze. Yeah, so Catra and this creature begin to connect as we uh, go back up into the hallway, where once again the spikes have surrounded everyone. Um, but Glimmer, so Glimmer throughout this episode has really been bemoaning her lack of magic in space. She hates it. Yeah, she she can't stand it. Space is seemingly the ultimate anti-magic field. But ever since she came to this planet, it's, she's had like this weird unsettled feeling. And she finally puts together what it is because she reaches out to brush these spikes and finds them illusory. And she realizes, oh... That weird feeling I've been feeling, it's magic. It's all magic. This planet, Kairos, is entirely magical. So Glimmer uses a spell to dissipate all of the illusions in the area and uses a different spell to teleport into the room where Katra and uh, and the cat creature are. And they, they're all ready to go. They're all ready to fight, like, rescue Katra. But she's just sort of sitting... With, is sitting and petting this this big funny animal yeah so she's just hanging out and adora seems very confused and katra is like all right l- listen i am trying something here th- th- this i think it responds to emotions if you just let me handle it and, and it, it is getting worked up whenever she is getting worked up she 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 starts to you know snap a little bit yeah everyone's calling her cute again and they're like no and she's like no no okay calm down 
as she just sort of centers herself, she's like, listen, I'm sorry I got angry. I'm trying to work on it. And then Dora just is like, so, so touched by this. Her eyes just start sparkling and tearing up. And she's like, oh, you are? Yeah, and so she gives Catcher space to do her thing and connect with us, this creature. Um, and she does. And we, we uh, this, this cat tells his story. So we learn a lot about Critus here. So we learn, you know, this is where we learn this is the first one's colony, uh, an old one, that Horde Prime attacked. But the magical inhabitants of this planet um, drove him off. The first ones tried to do the same thing they did to Etheria by harnessing and shackling the magic. But it didn't take as well. So they were able to fight Horde Prime off. But this this creature who is named Milog uh, is the last of his kind as a result of that. Oh, and also Catra can hear him. Uh, yes, uh, Milog can really only communicate uh, through Catra. Um which I guess is understandable. She's like also a cat. You know, it all tracks, really. So Adora kind of invite, you know, so Adora and, and Katra, they're, they're moving along in their relationship. They've adopted a cat now. Um, <laughs> they, uh, she she kind of like reassures me along by saying, oh, you, you're, you're magic. I'm magic too. And she gives her pupils a little flash. It's just, it's just a lovely little scene where they kind of invite this creature along like they're like listen you are alone and without magic we have a planet full of magic and we could use your help you'd love it there yeah so you know milog's like yeah you know what that sounds lovely and so everybody's you know this big creepy planet turns out had some some cool stuff on it so but they really haven't solved their problem because they don't actually have a way of getting through the blockade yet but catra might have an idea it's a crazy idea and then there's no indication that it'll work as glimmer says like so you're really just gonna like rely on this thing you just met to get us through this blockade and and catra in an echo of, of the beginning of the episode says yeah that's pretty much it and that's how you know she's she's really a part of the the whole the group now. Yeah, the the that that like bookend is really important, I think. It's like this this really important sort of communication to the audience that she's she's really like become a part of the group. Cuz earlier in the episode, um right after the uh they they sort of land on the planet and everyone starts to walk into the the ruined spire, catches like Wait, wait, so you're telling me your plan right now is to walk into this scary abandoned building, uh, you have no idea who or what is inside of it, um, you have no idea how dangerous it is, you're just gonna walk in there, expect to find somebody, ask them how to defeat Horde Prime, get that information, then go do it. And they're just like, yep, that's basically it. And and the mirror of that here is sort of just like her like accepting the dynamic and like integrating into it and it it's it's cute like it's a it's a cute moment and it's a good way to communicate to the audience that you know like she's she's getting it she's getting to be a part of things not just sort of this person that's kind of tagging along also wrong hordak has been radicalized wrong hordak has been radicalized he he has come out the other side of his uh, existential crisis here and he has decided 
You know what? Fort Prime lied to us. He's not all-powerful. It's up to us to dismantle his empire. We need to, we need to, we need to rally everyone together. We, we, we need to seize the means here, comrades. And, you know, Dora's just like, yeah, that's the plans. Inter- the international, the international bass boosted trap remix 24 <laughs> hours plays over his, his little monologue. So they do it. They, Milog turns the ship invisible and they run the blockade. They 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 slip right through, and they lay eyes on Ethereus skies for the first time in who knows how how long, months probably at this point. Um, and you know, Catra thought she'd never be seeing this again. Yeah, she she did not think she would ever be back on Etheria, and and here she is. She's finally home, and and that's a and that's quite a powerful moment for her the the actual scene of getting to to Etheria is quite fun too because uh milog basically just uh like milog turns into like a cloud of the same spores that were on uh on Kratos, and the whole ship sort of turns invisible and they just sort of punch it and and run straight through the blockade which uh you know it's a good thing they don't have like radar well if you'll remember, they've already established that the first one ship is incapable of being detected by Horde Prime sensors because it's too old. The only way to oh, detect it yeah. is visuals. That's right. I keep so they they could slip through the blockade without being picked up on any sensors. And when and there is a very good moment when they finally uh, slip through the blockade. Katra is holding on to Dora's hand <laughs> and it, it's it really seems like they did this unconsciously like they they just instinctively reached out for one another and Akatra just gives a frustrated groan and throws Adora's hand away yeah she's just like oh god uh it's 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 really funny she just sort of like Listen, she was anxious. She needed to hold her girlfriend's hand. I mean, Adora's hands. Uh-huh. Just Adora's hand. that? I don't know what that is. Um, but yeah, it's great. So they're finally home, and they're ready to take the fight to Prime in earnest, which, of course, we will get to next time. We will. But first, we got a few questions here. A little bit light on the Curious Cat, but we got some interesting emails. We do. We, we got a few of those. So I probably let's start with the Curious Cat, just because, like... There's less of it. Yeah, so uh, I got a couple here. One is from Anonymous. Has Adora just been carrying around a change of clothes for Catra this whole time, just in case she needed them? Uh, and really during the podcast, you guys are great. Thank you so much. As for your question, this is in fact answered in that semi-canon uh, fanfic that Noel Stevenson wrote. Yes. The the change of clothes Catra gets, the, the underwear she's wearing in episode 6 uh is adora's uh apparently she had the bright moon tailors make some like horde uniform uh stuff for her so she would feel more comfortable yeah so she had like she had some extra and uh and and brought that with her so that catcher would feel a little bit more comfortable um which uh, uh it's just a wonderful detail really yes and catra's replacement suit the one that looks like her season four outfit uh, was created by Entrapta, who was apparently just really good at making like s- spacesuits and stuff. Yeah, she's she's gotten real good at it, you know. Yeah, so that that is where those come from. Uh, it's a very cute detail. Next up here, sort of her hidden talent, really. Yes, 
So next up, we got another anonymous curious cat user here. And they ask, they say, hello, first of all, please excuse my English as it is not my mother tongue. I started listening to your podcast after you, after you were invited to another Shira podcast. I was listening and boy, what a great journey it was. I would like to know what opinion you have about the lack of resolution about Angela regarding Catcher and Glimmer. I think that during the last chap- the last chapters, they should have uh, shown some kind of conversation about it. Thank you very much for your podcast. Have a nice week, uh, Serena. Thank you very much. This is a topic we brought up a few times, I think. Yeah, yeah, we talked about this a few times, and it's it's one of those things where there's not a lot of places that I feel like additional stuff with Angela could have slotted in super easily it's one of the it's one of the things that the show really stumbles on um and it would have taken i think like another pass at how like season four and season five in particular are structured in order to make it work i think you would have had to shuffle some things around to make room for this i think the way you would have had to do it is you would have had to bring it up in season four it should have been a thing that glimmer confronted a catcher about in season four during one of the times they fought absolutely absolutely and then you get the resolution of that in the episodes where they're trapped on the ship like that's the only way you could have done it that's yeah that's the only way i feel like as the show exists right now that it 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 could have worked yeah because you'd have that moment of like addressing the problem confronting it and like having the the emotions of it the very raw emotions like stick in people's minds for a decent amount of time something to 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 roll around uh in your head and like and like really think about and then pay it off during the during the captured episodes upon the 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 velvet gloves so that that would have been the the time to do it and as far as why it didn't happen i mean you can't it's it's hard to say i imagine there's there's constraints in like there's probably constraints in like the amount of time they had to talk about things and and also there was constraints probably in what they were willing to to broach as a topic because you know one of the one of the things to bear in mind is that as you know as as much as the show does try and and succeed i think largely in tackling like more serious topics and and more serious concepts it is still basically like a like a tvy7 show it is not really something that i think a lot of production staff is going to be like especially thrilled about if you start like really digging in to like the concept of like murder or or at least like you know manslaughter in this case that kind of leads us into an email we've got here uh on us on the on a similar subject so we got this uh from rebecca hello there not sure if this has been covered and i missed it but at what point does catcher find out about uh queen angela's sacrifice uh in the portal who tells her what happened from catcher's point of view in the episode it seems like adora stopped the portal herself once she had figured out they were in the wrong timeline just wondering if you could explore how Catra would feel upon learning about the consequence of opening the portal. I can't remember either Catra or Glimmer being, bringing it up when they were trapped together on the Velvet Glove. So did Catra even know at that point? That's The big question is, does Catra know? That is a good question, actually. I'm not sure that... 
Because it never comes up again is the thing, right? Like, and Angela basically vanishes from the show, and... We can't get into that again. We've already made our feelings very clear about Angela's handling uh, in the early bits of season four. Yeah, it's not great, but yeah, I don't... I don't know that Katra is ever, like, directly... Confronted about it? No. Like, confronted about it or shown to have knowledge of that situation. It is, like, it's possible she just straight up does not know that that happened. But at the same time, she would know that Angela isn't around. Yeah, I think she would be able to put two and two together. That the portal is stopped, Shira is still here... Angela, Angela is, is not. not. Yeah. So I think she would be able to put that together. Um, she she very clearly has a lot of guilt about it. She has nightmares about the portal a few times in season four, but I don't think she ever vi- visualizes Angela like that. It is the biggest like missed opportunity for the show. I think I think they could have gotten some character drama out of it. Yeah, they could have gotten some character drama out of it. They could have gotten some like good resolutions. They could have like it probably is like they were either. They didn't think about that aspect or they tried and it's like, they couldn't find a satisfactory way of doing it. Like they couldn't figure it out. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's 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 tough like when you're producing and you're and you're writing like a, a program like this it's really tough because so much has to be left on the cutting room floor and it's it's like there's massive 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 like cost to every edit and everything you take out there's like so much sacrifice involved and it's it's like it's a really unenviable position to be put in because it's like it's such a it's such a tight thing like maybe i don't know if they had been given like if seasons two and three maybe had been given like actual like proper episode lengths maybe they would have had a little bit more time later on in the series to tackle some things i don't know it's 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 hard to say i it's it's a big misstep but it's one that it's hard to it's it's hard to figure out exactly why it is that this happens if it was just like a a poor writing or if it was because of production issues it's hard to say with stuff like this i mean with all honesty i think i would rather have them just not do it instead of trying to do it and half-filling it. Yeah. I feel like that could end up way worse than just us looking at this big hole. It's not even like a, bi- a big, huge hole. It's like like it's not something that breaks the entire show. It's just like, huh, it's weird this is never brought up. Yeah, it doesn't break the show, but it definitely strains the show. And I think largely it's it's better to have decided to avoid the topic entirely if you can't do it justice um especially because it's i mean it's like it's a fairly serious topic and it would be like it would dramatically undermine i think katra as a character if you were to try and resolve this kind of thing and you did it badly because then it wouldn't like a lot of her sort of redemption and and coming to terms with things just wouldn't have like meshed as well so so yeah it's it's maybe the biggest misstep in the whole show 
but uh, but we've I feel like we we've we've been a little bit of a broken record on that one. It's it's sort of it's sort of the core one of the core complaints of the thing. Yes, it is basically our only complaint, <laughs> um, which is pretty remarkable when you think about it. Like I think a lot of our biggest uh, issues with a lot of episodes uh, launch, notwithstanding are connected to angela like yeah yeah there's i mean there's like there's there's other issues in the show that definitely like come up like stuff with mermista and 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 things like that as well but like yeah i would say like just on a narrative tilt it's like that's that's really the the big core thing which is you know compared to a lot of a lot of shows having just sort of the one big narrative fumble is it's a pretty good track record. On a lighter note, how about you take this email from Stephanie? Yes. Okay, so this one's really fun. Um, so Stephanie here says, um, I'm emailing on behalf of my 11-year-old daughter, Jocelyn, who listens to your she podcast. Uh, she's fully caught up with all your episodes and is a really big fan. Uh, sometimes it's quiet and she laughs randomly and sometimes she cringes and takes her earpods out, especially when we're talking about ships between characters. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she says, sometimes they make sense, but Glimadora? No, no, no. They'd be terrible together. <laughs> I mean, listen, I can see, I can see where she's coming from. I can see where she's coming from. Listen, everyone's, everyone's opinionated about the ship's uh that's wonderful uh she has four questions that she's patiently waiting for me to send in uh so the first one is uh what do you think happened to the lizard that adora zapped in flowers for shira i thought if adora zapped a lizard she should get a dragon like that shira on the pot that bo's dad showed them what do you think that lizard yeah it, okay do you think the lizard is sentient too uh almost certainly right so so yeah the the little lizard is definitely definitely like self-aware like swiftwin is that would be that would be pretty fun if she got to have like a like a fun dragon friend too but uh, maybe that'll be something we see in the uh in, in the movie or some comic they do later <laughs> the return of that one lizard <laughs> from that one gag in flowers for shira yeah, i'd love yeah that. i mean that's that's really the pre- that, that's the most pressing concern in the show really I assume the lizard is having a bunch of crazy adventures, like just off screen. There, there's like a, uh, there's like an illumination. I don't know who's like who's like a, a talking animal, spe- like specialty studio. I think illumination, <laughs> right? Or like um, yeah. blue blue sky does does. Oh a yeah, bunch there of is a. Too. By the way, R.I.P. to blue sky. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, rest in peace. Ten months, ten months before that uh, Nimona movie came out. Ten uh, months. Ten months. That's nothing. That is post-production. Ah, uh, so sad. Thanks, Disney. Um, but yeah, it's, it, the, the the lizard is off having a blue sky studio style hijink filled production. The, the the lizard is off. <laughs> the lizard is off doing over the hedge uh, while oh, everything no. else is going on. <laughs> DreamWorks face uh, dragon lizard. Never mind. He should stay out of the show now. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I am shocked that Swiftwind has never made the DreamWorks face. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye out. He might. He might. Uh, question two is, in season one, Princess Prom, uh, how do you think Adora got down from the cliff at the end? We got a literal cliffhanger on that one. I assume I assume uh, Mermista just helped her up or something. 
Yeah, I assume her mister or somebody uh, helped her out, or, uh, you know, maybe Frost has sort of, sort of uh, made a little bit of an ice ledge for her to sort of stand on. Or she just climbed up on her own because she's got giant upper body strength. Yeah, she's 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 got those muscles. She really uh she really climbed all the way up. And I heard I heard Shira's got an eight pack. I heard Shira shredded. I heard Shira is, is shaped like a freight train. That's true. Uh and question three is do you think Catra's urge to blow something up is satisfied in episode one, season one? M- no. Uh yeah. I Well Season listen. <laughs> satisfied satisfied is a is a strong word right i feel like she was she did get to blow things up but i don't think that her 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 hunger for explosions was satiated oh no not at all um she otherwise season four would not have happened and granted she was not the one blowing things up but she sure was watching a lot of stuff blow up oh yes yes she was she listen katra I feel, we, we've talked about we've talked about the characters' sort of media consumption habits. I feel like Katra would be a very big fan of the Mythbusters, but she doesn't like actually watch them. I don't think. I think she just watches highlight clips on YouTube. Well, that's I mean that's the correct way to watch the Mythbusters. To be fair, but like she doesn't care about any of the actual science or any of the cool build team stuff. She's just like, I want to watch. She's awake at 3 30 a.m laying in bed and she says i want to watch them pancake that car with the rocket sled again she wants to see that car turn into a fine red powder she's gone this is just not there anymore oh god that clip is still so amazing uh <laughs> it just just it just disappears it's magic it's, there was a car there and now there isn't uh, when you think about it, physics is basically just magic. It really is. Um, uh, question four is, uh, Angela is referred to as an angelic being. Do you think she's immortal? Uh, if so, do you think she is forevermore alive and trapped between realities, forced to wonder what's happening to everyone? Now, yes. <laughs> this is the thing. The answer is yes. Yeah, like, that's sort of the horrifying thing, right? She's she's sort of it's stuck in a in a horrible singularity and never able to get out and she's just stuck in like the squidward zone from that episode with the time machine <laughs> she's just in the big white alone. void and she never gets alone. to leave alone 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 yeah that's where she is uh yeah it is somewhat horrifying um the the implications of that yeah she is angela being a quote unquote angelic being is one of the weirdest parts of the sort of she-ra cosmology because i don't know what that means yeah it's like you have a bunch of like magical people you have like elves you have like deer people you have moth people and that's so yeah that, that all tracks to me like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like you, you got all that you got all that angels however now this this adds a a, a a wrinkle to it that is just never explored and is a little bit weird she is immortal she is magically powerful it's uh it's never really brought up i hope what if we get a, an angela focused comic about trying to get her out of the singularity or something or at least talking about what happened i think that's all we want at this point but we can't 
Steer, yeah. Steering us away. We can't. We can't. We can't. Grabbing yeah. the wheel. Uh, and uh, and Jocelyn also says last thing. I really love the podcast. It helps me pass the time. Well, thank you. I we're we're really glad that you like the podcast. It's uh, it's really it's really cool, and we're we're always happy to like to uh to to be entertaining yeah by the way i opened the pod bean and the downloader track thing said twenty five thousand downloads and i just kind of sat there for a minute like oh that's a lot that's a lot of numbers Steve, that's more than a couple of numbers listen that's several uh, that's at least two numbers that's at least maybe two more. numbers um so yeah thank you everyone for listening and thank you jocelyn for listening what a love what a lovely email to get yeah that was that that was lovely thank you jocelyn and thank you stephanie that was that was great that 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 really really put a smile on my face um other things let's see we got one more before we get the big one uh we got two from jennifer actually yes uh so uh these two uh the first one is titled adora concentrate uh another late question what on earth etheria was catra thinking when she sat on adora's lap what was adora thinking i think we all know what they were thinking yeah yeah <laughs> uh god it's uh listen being surprised there wasn't a side eye moment between Bo and Glimmer is like she just leaps right in there. <laughs> They're really, I honestly, you know, I agree, Jennifer. I really think there should have been a moment of pause and said that just happened. Listen, they, they've Bo and Glimmer have seen so many things in the past like seventy two hours of of this of this event. At a certain point, at a certain point, you just you start absorbing it into the background. It just starts becoming part of the yeah. environment. This is like you know what? That's fine. Yeah, I guess they did watch uh, just Catra clinging to Adora for dear life and purring. Uh, yeah, just like the other day. Yeah, so. it just sort of. Uh, <laughs> God, jeez. Uh, uh, and the the second one was also fun another fun title clueless lesbians of course um is uh a couple of questions apparently curious cat is just not working for people just generally speaking um i've noticed i've noticed this actually with like other people i know who use curious cat on twitter like apparently the website's just having some issues lately so if you're also having issues again feel free to email it just you know obviously just let us know that it's like for a specific thing yeah, or reply to the uh, the Twitter post. Yeah, yeah, or just send it like direct on on Twitter. Then we'll we'll see it like basically instantly. So so yeah. Hey, maybe we should make a question uh, channel in the Discord, probably. Oh yeah, we could do that too. That that would be a good idea. Um, so yeah, and that'll also be an avenue. Um, but so three questions or four questions here actually. Uh, first one is Adora blushes a lot when Catra kicks down the wall. This means Adora was internally sure blushing during the battles yeah i mean I think, yeah i i think that there was definitely a part of adora during all of those fights you know obviously she's got her game face on she's 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 fighting for real here but i think deep down she was like man catcher's really strong she's she's really <laughs> fighting me toe to toe here and i'm and i'm an eight foot tall magic amazon yeah it's she's listen Listen, it's as as we've said before, and we'll say again. There's there's a certain tension in the air 
when uh when you know you and your and your friends eternal rival friends rival maybe lover are uh are having a having a, a, a bout of fisticuffs there's there's a certain tension in the air to that there sure is uh yeah so so see uh, see also that one fight glimmer and catra have mm-hmm 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 yes uh, uh number two uh bone glimmer side at each other and see adora and catra laughing and then blushing what are they thinking again we <laughs> know what they're thinking i mean Bo just kind of shrugs i think he just doesn't get it he's just like he he's not thinking about it he's like hmm, i don't know what's all that about but glimmer is just like hand to face just like oh god this is gonna be forever now this is the rest of my life yeah these two these two are just going to be just just impossible to deal with for the rest of my life yep that is exactly what she is thinking (laughs) and she's right she's 100 percent right this is this is how it's gonna be now just this is this is this is this is the new this is the new reality glimmer giggles uh, and blushes and it's listen listen that's just how it goes uh the the handhold is number three of course like Adora, i don't think adora did even notice they were holding hands that's the thing it's like adora just didn't no. even it's yeah, listen was... it's just natural it's you didn't you don't even think about it. it like i said it was instinctual it was just instinctual when you're scared you hold your girlfriend's hand i mean your friend's hands friend friends your cat girlfriend she's a cat girl who yeah, is my friend your friend yeah, your friend who is a cat girl, it's it's fine, it's normal. Why did Catra throw Adora's hand away? Well, obviously, it, the danger had passed. It was it was embarrassing. It's don't it's no other reasons. It's definitely not weird mm-hmm. to have to think about that. Uh, <laughs> uh, number four and the last one here. We'll actually we'll take uh we'll take after the uh, the cut here because it's just a little just a touch spoilery. Yes. So, we are on the internet places. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Podcast of Power. We post question posts. Uh, if you would like to harass Bill Gates about his terrible operating system delaying episodes uh, over and over again, please do that. Um, <laughs> I think he's taking... Uh, no, no, t- no to everyone, that's a joke. Please don't. He's taking his his uh, you know his anger over the divorce out on us, I think. Um, and he, it's really inappropriate of him. I think he's just, you know, calm down. Listen, just go buy a car like everyone else, Bill Gates. You know, just go, go, go get a nice car. Go found a space agency like the rest of the billionaires. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, um, don't yeah, do we're that. on there. You can you can find us on Curious Cat. I don't know if it's working right now. Probably not. Um, and of course, you, you can also send an email to potapower at gmail.com uh, if Curious Cat is down, which it appears to be. Yes. And of course, our Patreon, potapower, uh, patreon.com slash potapower, where you can find lots of things yes quite quite a lot of bonus content we'll just we'll, we'll we'll roll through this this ad roll just real briefly here it's uh at the the one dollar mark you get access to all of our old uh bonus content which uh includes the uh the first uh couple seasons of the Owlcast, um the first season of kipo and soon to be the second season which actually we just wrapped up uh this uh there was there was sort of 
uh, another unfortunate computer issue with the recording of that, but we'll um we'll we'll be we'll be getting that out um very shortly after this episode airs. So so don't worry about that. But yes, yeah, so season two of the of the Keepocast should be up for one dollar patrons soon. Um, and then for three dollar patrons, you get all of our current content, which includes the uh, the Infinicast brand new edition to uh, to the family here, where we watch the Infinity Train. And uh, as well as the new season of The Owl House coming up very shortly. Very, very excited to start that. Yes, we've. I, I've been told very good things. Once again, I've I've tried to keep as uh, keep as much information away from my eyes as possible. And uh, and, and Nero's informed me there is some good content uh, on the way. For sure is. I, I I made no such promise to myself. I I slap my nasty little eyes all over those spoilers as i said mm, delicious i can't wait to see how these all pan out <laughs> oh yes and of course you know we also got all sorts of other stuff we got she riffs we got to record that one soon about a peak blue episode naturally syncable commentaries for old she-ra episodes that are all bonkers all bonkers uh we got bonus apps we do we got bonus apps on that fan fiction we were talking about earlier we got bonus apps on noel stevenson's memoir go read it it's very good we got a bonus up on that fire princess comic it's okay read it if you want we got a bonus app on uh, we took a quiz i forget what our results are even i think i got oh it's been so long i'm pretty sure you got entrapta i don't remember who i got i think i did get entrapta i either got entrapta or perfuma it was one of the two um we also have the watchtower a video podcast we, no- we nominally have the watchtower no- <laughs> it, is, it is a nebulous video <laughs> podcast that exists exclusively within the realm of adobe premiere but someday adobe, it will exist for all of you too adobe has it hostage and isn't letting us have it until so- something happens i don't know they haven't to- they haven't sent us the demands yet <laughs> they're just they're just kind of holding on to it forever seemingly yeah it turns out uh adobe support um it's not it's not like real people saw bots I don't know. <laughs> this podcast is all about beefing with big tech it, it is that's the seat that that's the secret like second layer to to the podcast of power is just beefing with big tech industry giants as is your moral duty it's true and of course one dollar and three dollar patrons both do you already mention the discord because you get access to the discord i did not mention discord we do have a discord uh tentatively named the discord of power though we might change that at some point uh it's a place for trying trying to get it you know trying to get it uh hopping it's trying to pull together some weekly movie streams i gotta find time for it yeah we want to we want to stream promare uh at some point in the near future so that would be fun that that movie's pretty good you haven't seen it so if you haven't joined already and you are on the patreon you should set up a discord and link it into the patreon so you can get access to the patreon discord and the other perk our three dollar patrons in particular get is shout outs at the end of every episode and a special shout out to three patrons who have joined us since our last recording paul robinson ludovica peruzzi and casey cosmos yes welcome everyone and thank you very much along with <sighs> hang on, let me let me gather my breath for the rest of the squad here <clears throat> yeah get a get a good good deep inhale for this one 
Emily P, Zach, Jen B, Katie Sinclair, Chris, Remy Dillon, Brisley Hammond Brower, Salty Salty, Blue Holly, I Beauregard, Kaylee Louisa, Garrett Johnson, Ross Ivy, Emma Lynn, Ashley Butcher, Anelia, Cody, Haley Moreland, Yusuf Gersh, Ashley, Kyra Williams, Mabel Mabel, Ryan Kuhn, Jennifer Jones, Jess Pumphrey, Leon Lay, Sean Montgomery, Jack Onoro, Olivia, Brittany Ray, Michael Steinert, Tara Stark, TCO, Brennan Fitzgerald, Tobu, Emma Grossman, and Robert Harris. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for all your support. As I say always, it, it means the world to us. It's awesome. We're we're really we're really really getting up there. It's 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 pretty exciting. And um and yeah, we've uh, we've got we've got more. I I, I think we teased this last time or maybe the time before we we do have more coming after uh after we end up getting through season five here and shira sort of concludes it it's sort of the the sun sets on this chapter of the podcasting realm uh we do have more on the way uh coming this uh this fall in fact it is an ambitious project. Are we going to announce it, or are we just going to keep teasing it? I don't know if we're ready to announce it yet. Yeah, I don't think we're ready to announce it just yet. We do need to figure out a name for this podcast and also get the Twitter handle for it. But when we do, that will probably be when we announce it. Yeah, so keep, keep you know, as, as the kids say, I don't even know if they say this anymore. Watch this space. I don't think the kids say that anymore. Who knows what kids say anymore? I'm like 27 in two weeks. Oh, boy. So, yeah, that'll be it for the pre-spoiler zone thing. We got not really a spoiler zone discussion. It's mostly a uh, some some more talk about Horde Prime and in particular the ways he intersects with a lot of religious imagery. Yes. So if you're excited to to get into that, we'll see you on the other side and if you're leaving, then we'll catch you next time. spicing it up so yeah why don't you why don't you hit this email that we got here yes well first i want to hit the the last question of clueless lesbians um so the the last thing was uh once they're on etheria glimmer teleports everybody and catra keeps getting sick uh adora's constantly holding catra at all times how clueless can these two idiots be not to know they loved each other. Listen. I mean... Listen. I think we've discussed this. I think Katra knows. Yeah, Katra knows. Katra is certainly by that point fully, totally aware of how much she is is deeply in love uh, with Adora. Like, not very long after this moment, like, I think either that episode or another episode very, very shortly after that is when Katra actually says the line, you know... She doesn't love me, not like I love her, you know? It's, uh God. Or, well, she doesn't want me, not like I want her. Yeah, the the line is, hits even harder when it says, she just says it like that. Yeah, it, yeah. Um, 
yeah no it, it it's uh it is in fact like yeah it is, it is heart part one where she says that so ah uh, god adora you know she's not very bright when it comes to emotional stuff she's um, listen she's got a lot to worry about she's got so many things going through her head and her head does not have an enormous amount of space for all that no it does not so uh let's get into the meat here i think oh yes the 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 meaty the meaty question here from uh from rachel uh which says uh first just wanted to say thank you both again so much for the podcast i love the work and listening it makes me feel like i'm listening to two friends talk about one of my favorite things you guys are amazing well thank you we uh we try our best um i went to email to ask you guys about something i noticed on horde prime's design that's been really tickling my brain uh, I know Noel has stated that Horde Prime, uh, Horde Prime's design of his cult-like following and life on the Velvet Glove is uh, supposed to mimic those of sort of big churches. Uh, I also know in Season 5, Episode 3, uh, Corridors, there is that baptismal Mountain Dew scene with Hordak. Uh, as someone raised Catholic, all this imagery was super strong, and I definitely picked up on a good bit of it. However, something about HP's physical design has been bothering me. Something about Catholicism as well as most Christian denominations is that we're taught that God exists outside of time. Uh, he uh, exists both past, present, and future all at once, uh, and is the beginning and the end. Uh, when looking at how he continuously passes on his life force from one vessel to the next, he uses the Mountain Dew juice to sustain it, but that also plays into the idea that HP has no beginning or end, much like the God of Christianity. I also noticed the HP has three eyes. Do you think his three eyes are meant to represent how he is looking at the past, present, and future all at once to further the godlike metaphor, or do you think it's supposed to respect, uh, represent the Holy Trinity instead? All right, yeah. So let, let's let's get this first half going here. I think let me look at Horde Prime because I think he he has three eyes on one side of his head, right? Yeah, it's the it's his right eyes, I, I believe, that have the yeah, uh, that have that going yes. on. So he's got three eyes on, on one side of his head. Um, one of the... Now, this is interesting. One of them appears to be looking one direction, and one appears to be looking another direction in his, like, normal pose. Yeah, they they do look around, but yeah, a lot of times they're looking in different directions. Like, his two sort of main eyes look you know wherever he is necessarily looking but the other two eyes seem to kind of look wherever they please like he's 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 looking at other things at the same time yes sorry i googled horde prime and i found a fan design from probably like season one of this show you want to oh that's exciting yeah please send it to me i would love to see this let's let's see what this let's see what this one looks like i ain't trying to roast any artists here but this is just very funny considering what we got okay let's let's find it oh my god he looks like oh my god okay he looks like um he looks like a dota character no okay so he looks like um there was a guy like on neopets who was like a villain <laughs> oh yeah he, yeah i've seen that guy in ads and stuff yeah he looks like this guy he, he he that's 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 who this this horde prime design looks like it's kind of amazing actually yeah this this is obviously way more in line with horde prime's like 80s design mm, yeah and uh than what they went with because obviously they went with an, a, like a totally different direction for him uh in, in the actual show oh yeah this is this is more like a like a classic like 
like trying to be intimidating through just being like really cool and strong and like armory and stuff it's like so that. Spike. <laughs> I love how many horde symbols he has on him. He's got one on his chest. He's got one on his helmet. His knee pads are horde symbols. He's got two on his helmet. I'll have you know one on uh, insignia on the forehead, and then the like winged ears. He he's repping he's repping the brand. It's it's like nerve out here. Listen, you gotta rep the brand. You gotta sell that merch. It's true. Um. Oh God. Um. So yeah, this so the stuff about like timelessness past present future this is definitely an aspect of his character that is like meant to be projected the thing about it is though he does have a past like he has a room full of old bodies that he has to plug into to remember things because he's been alive for so long yeah but he just like he doesn't forget stuff yeah exactly like he has he he sort of has like an interesting sort of living memory archive situation going on so he does like he's he's got a little bit of like this i exist in the past and the present simultaneously the future is a little bit less it's a little bit less of a thing he doesn't really have any like clairvoyance necessarily he's presented in his own sort of like mythos as omniscient but largely the show doesn't, I think, ever necessarily like directly confront his claims of omniscience, but well, mm-hmm. hang on, I just remembered something. Hard part two, We're talking about futures. There is a future in that episode that he seemingly shows Adora, or at least interrupts. Oh, okay, that's that is true. That is true, actually. So there is that aspect as well. Now, obviously, that is not future sight. That is just taking advantage of the the setting of that scene to kind of uh, wax poetic once more and, and just of course sort of further crush Adora's spirits. But it is like, yeah, he is, you know, Horde Prime sees all, Horde Prime knows all. He is he is ageless, he is he is infinite. Like he is definitely meant to be this kind of timeless like all all of his followers believe that he is watching them at all times and technically they are correct because he can you know zoop into any of their heads anytime he likes yeah he's got quite a lot of surveillance technology is the thing so a lot of his a lot of his like omniscience is largely just the fact that he has access to so much surveillance and he's also just been around for so long that he more or less knows all the tricks in the book. So he's he's very good at, like, cold reading people, and he's very good at, like, um, predicting the things they're going to do just based on his own past experiences. And those two things together can combine to make him seem a lot more omniscient than he actually is. Um, as far as the eye design, though, is it, like, as far as whether the eyes themselves are supposed to represent, like, the Holy Trinity or, like, the, that, that sort of past, present, and future nature of the man, I could see that being the case, especially since, yeah, like, the resting position for the two, like, additional eyes seems to be one looking forward and one looking back in that way. I could see, I could see that being, like, a strong interpretation. It could be a read. 
I think also it's just like reinforcing his his omniscient nature. Like it is, it is you cannot escape his gaze. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, thing. exactly. It's sort of just reinforcing the fact that he can he sees more than you do by by quite a lot. Just sort of naturally. Um, yeah, but you know, I'm, I'm reading the Locked Tomb trilogy books. I'm on the second one, uh, and you know, there, there's a there is another very much godlike figure in, in those books and in fact he is referred to as god uh and that also has a lot of very interesting ideas about what that means and what a god what an immortal like that is but uh that's all i'll say on the matter other than to recommend heartily getting the ninth uh and harrow the ninth read 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 them books but uh we should get on to the second part of this question here yes we should so the second half of this is uh furthermore there were other Christian overtones in the show regarding Adora being a Jesus parallel that may be better discussed later. Uh, but I did notice how in failsafe, as Adora is receiving the code, she's positioned suspended in the chamber with palms raised upwards and the hands kind of raised, um, almost like how Jesus uh, lays in most cru- uh, crucifixion imagery. Yeah. Lays in most crucifixion imagery. That word is hard to say. Uh, also, the points of the code enter through the centers of her palms and the tops of her feet, like the nails in Jesus' hands. Uh, it's just sort of a glow um, uh, around her head, uh, vaguely like a like a crown of thorns. Um, so we've we we have we have the scene. So we're we're taking a look at it, and she she does she gets she gets raised up in sort of this like. Uh, I don't, I don't know that I would call it necessarily a crucifixion style pose in and of itself. It's more of like a, like a, like a, like a rapture style thing. Like she's being like pulled up a little bit, like off of the ground. But the, the, the sort of failsafe is entering through the palms of her hands. Um, and she does have like a, a, a big glow around her the whole time uh, that this is happening. So... There's this one. Yeah. So there's there's this one here where her her arms are kind of like splayed behind her while she's like being suspended in the air and the the sort of energy is entering in through the palms of her hands and then her palms are like face are, are like facing up right. Importantly though, uh, there is also a big spot on her chest that the code seems to be flowing into, uh, which is of course where the failsafe manifests over the heart. Yeah. It's the actual heart symbol yeah it is i mean i think it is definitely meant to evoke that for sure um especially with all the stuff about the self-sacrificing uh going on in in fail safe and heart yeah there's there there's a lot of that i think that like something interesting about adora's sort of story here in the back half of season five is i think like there's like messianic imagery that is evoked in in Shira. I think there's a lot of messianic imagery um with Shira in general, but the back half of season 5 I think is largely a send up of of those concepts in a lot of ways because when when Adora accepts the failsafe and she does this, it is sort of her she's she is like you know accepting her her destiny here this is this is her moment on the um oh what was it i it's been so many years since i was like 
knew 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 about most yeah, of this stuff there's, there's a bit me. before the actual like crucifixion happens where jesus is in like a like a like a garden area or something oasis is it in an yeah oasis? it was the oasis the oasis thing right where he's like he's he's you know crying out to god and he's like you know why have you forsaken me and, and all this stuff you know why have you forsaken your son and, and this whole thing and there's like there, there's all that sort of stuff with it and i think like that that time where where a door is like sort of accepting like you know i'm i'm taking on all of these i'm taking on everyone's burden i'm taking this on i'm i'm sacrificing myself for the good of everyone to save the entire planet and all of the people on it and stuff like that there's there's a lot of parallels that can be drawn there there's a lot of that but the thing about the conclusion of all of that is that it is a deliberate choice to say that no this is not the correct decision that this is self-destruction and that it isn't actually the the way that this sort of situation should be handled that the the messianic messaging of like the singular you know the 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 good-hearted lamb offering itself up um for slaughter for the benefit of everyone else is wrong that it's a wrong thing to do that it is that it is not only wrong to have that forced upon you but it is wrong for you to force that upon everyone else right like there is an angle of like there there's there's also sort of a like a selfishness to it in a way the the refusal to let anyone else help you until you are and until you have been destroyed and that that in and of itself you know the the act of trying to protect people in this way hurts them just as much as if you know they had to participate in trying to to save themselves is like a whole thing so yeah like i i feel like there's there is for sure a lot of like messiah theming that happens with with adora and and her her position as shira but i think that like the show tries really hard to in the in the last bit of it here to take all of those sort of themes and 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 criticize them and and look at them in in a critical way and talk about how they are not necessarily actually good things you have no idea how badly i want to talk about a certain thing in the heart part two and i can't i know i know i know exactly what you mean too we just we gotta we gotta hold on just a little bit longer just a little while longer it's not man uh, <laughs> i i am becoming vain kid the, the closer we get to the heart <laughs> i am just like holding everything back i am just like clenching my fists so hard that the bones are gonna snap i know we cannot we have already breached the vault too much lately and we have to reseal it yeah it's it's so hard because it's like all of the all of the stuff is flowing into the end it's like all of the all of the drainage culverts are all flowing into the big pond and we're we're trying not to get swept away into the pond but it's it's the current is strong. It's all of the themes are going into one place. Help, I'm being swept away by the themes. Ah. <laughs> the, the themes are getting us. Uh, but yeah, thank, thank, thank you for the question. That was, that was actually was really interesting. So, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of cool theming with this. We'll, we'll dig really 
we'll, we'll talk more about this specific thing for sure once we actually get there. But but yeah, this is this is like you're touching on some some important things. I think like with with the sort of like cultural and like literary stuff that the that the show pulls on for its theming. Yes. Uh, next time uh, we're gonna do a Far Cry mission. Um, we are. It's gonna be great. An ill wind. So we're gonna. Cl- we're literally it's literally a far cry mission we're going to clear an encampment they literally change out the symbol above the town it's like, yeah it's pretty it's it's such a weird episode like i i kind of like an ill wind there's a lot of good stuff in it there's a lot of good moments and it. it's just very funny that it's all like an like a like, like it's a far cry mission yeah it's a far cry mission as told by the cast of the super mario brothers super show but we'll we'll get to that when it happens uh my favorite uh rando town towny designs yes oh man uh but yes that'll that'll do it for us this week we went a little bit longer than i expected on shot in the dark yeah i mean we had some like we had some nice like meaty questions to talk about so you know so yes uh until next time for an ill wind i've been one of your hosts nero and i've been the other host jane and we'll see you on the other side of podcast spondos